welcome to Pod Space Nine, the last stop for trash in the Alpha Quadrant. This is a rewatch podcast for Star Trek D Space Nine, featuring two veteran viewers and one newbie. My name is Justin, and I will be your away team commander. Joining me is my science officer, Anna, our new recruit, Jude, and our guest star for the episode. Uh, Velvet, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Velvet, and I'm back for the second recording, and only the second recording. What lost recording? What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> so yes, this is your third time guesting on Bad Pod. Oh, oh, fourth, if we want to count like the 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 your your slight appearance for our road home trailer yep. uh, reaction. Which fun fact that's out now, but we can't talk about it yet. Uh, um, but so this is like your fourth time appearing on the show, but only the third time it's going to be released. Hopefully, we'll avoid more temporal anomalies. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Velvet. My pronouns are she, her, and it, it's. Uh, I'm on City That Never Dies, a Blaze in the Dark actual play podcast on the Clever Corvids podcasting network. And I'm going to be on the upcoming Athra Play Lord of the Rings podcast with Jude soon. I'm not sure yeah. when this episode comes out in relationship to that, but it's happening. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, whether it comes out before or after. We don't know either. Play airs. Who can tell? But uh, yeah, yay, Atherplay. Uh, it will be out at some point, and maybe you'll be listening to it this episode after that happens. Who knows? It depends on. It depends on. Um, I'm just. Uh, there's going to be a log beep here where I mention uh, David Zaslow's home address <laughs> and the recipes for making, for making a firebomb. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so Velvet, um, we, we've got to do, we, we have some questions for our guests and who are you and what do you do has been answered already. How did you get into Star Trek? Um, it kind of followed a strange path because my parents watched TNG when I was growing up, uh, partly when it was still coming out and partly reruns. So they watched that a lot. Mostly because my dad looks like and is similar to Riker, um, but more conservative and shittier. But so that was my first exposure. So I have a lot of like cozy, warm childhood memories associated with it, especially that bridge. Bring back carpeted starship bridges. I'm begging you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, everything's carpeted. Just just carpet everything. But I thought that was what Star Trek was. I thought that was the original series because my young pro mind did not process the name Picard. So everyone talking about Star Trek growing up, I thought that was, I thought that was it. That was it. Um, and when I learned otherwise in high school, me and my sister immediately bought all the box sets from TOS up through Voyager and just watched them all through in order that's pretty dope i've been hooked ever since um also props to my sister who at the time was very insistent that she wanted to get data pregnant and i didn't know what she meant at the time but <laughs> i understand now you were ahead of your time sis anyway i like spat that was <laughs> also also this is amazing because i i feel like with having to, mm -hmm. you know, 
re-record this episode, we're all punchier than we yeah. were the first time. And yeah. we didn't get that specific anecdote last time. So I feel like this is a net win <laughs> right here. No, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I wasn't just I wasn't expecting to lead up front with it either, but you know what? Here we go. <laughs> Star Trek is uh, Star Trek has done multiple instances of dudes getting pregnant, include, uh, including at least one on lower decks. So I mean, you know, it, it's not even the weirdest thing this franchise has included. I mean, that one episode of Enterprise is one of my favorites because it's not even presented as like a problem that threatens his life or anything. It's just he doesn't want to be pregnant and it's just silly. What do you love about DS9? Uh, I mean, DS9 is one of those shows that like it's a little bit like what's not to love. Like it is easier to list what I don't like than what I do. I still think TNG ranks above as my favorite, but really only on nostalgia value. I All the characters in DS9 are great. I like having a familiar setting that we get to know, and I like that it effectively challenges Star Trek's mm. themes up until that point. But also at the same time, people often say DS9 as the starting point, and I'm weird about that because like, it only hits so hard mm -hmm. in relation to what came before. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But I love it. And it's the, and it's kind of like the peak of peak of Star Trek for me. Uh, I haven't connected with much of the modern stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. I think from having watched TNG as a kid and watched a lot of the modern Trek. And now that I've watched a fair bit of, DS9, I mean, two seasons of DS9, I have no idea where it's going, but I, I'm kind of getting a sense for what DS9 is doing. I'll be interested to see where D, where DS9 goes, but I would imagine that DS9 is a bit of an inflection point in Star Trek's history as far as the kind of storytelling that it that it tells, because uh, it it feels like a lot of modern Trek is influenced by it in interesting ways. yeah. Like, yes and no, because you know, we do have a lot of the modern Trek, like, ha shares more DNA with D Deep Space Nine in some ways in terms of, like, long-form storytelling, etc. And some ha having some, like, darker themes. But then there's, like, I mean, we have Voyager and Enterprise, and, like, Voyager is kind of, like... And Voyager was developed you know, at the same time and is sort of, like... I yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. but it's like very but Voyager Voyager is like very yeah. episodic, um, more so even than like. Yeah, I don't consider, I don't consider Voyager or Enterprise modern Trek in the sense I think, I think of it as. Yeah, yeah, but like, but like as an inflection point, we have a couple of shows that are I think more similar yeah. to TNG, um, than Deep Space Nine. Yeah, like in a way, I wish. The modern shows were more influenced by DS9. Um, yeah. Because one thing I noticed is that a lot of modern Trek shares a lot of DNA with Enterprise. And I think that comes from mm -hmm. it being later and being huh. the last Star Trek thing before the new shows. And that's not a derision, by the way. I actually like Enterprise plenty. Um, but it's for better and for worse. <laughs> Enterprise is decent if you cut out like five or so like very specific episodes and the first three minutes of every episode mm -hmm. 
But it's been a long road. Uh, no. I, oh, are yes, you? Yes, I am. Are you digging on the theme song? Are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you? Or, are you saying it has? It well, been this was a, a great episode, Velvet. It's been nice here. having you on. I'm afraid you're, we'll have to talk to you another time. <laughs> <laughs> I. It was really funny. I heard that in the first episode and hated it. And the second episode, I was singing along, and I was like, "Never mind." It circled back around. I love this. <laughs> so you had so. So what you're saying is you you gave yourself Stockholm syndrome. I mean, no, I just like putting poison in my brain. Like you should see some of the anime I used to watch. <laughs> and then there's the point where it gets like the rock version. All right, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, good times. You will. There is no amount of Star Trek that you guys can make me watch that will convince <laughs> me that that godforsaken song is a good. Under any metric, or B, I mean, appropriate. Hold on, I did this Trek at one point. Song. I think I ranked like, like when I was ranking like all the Star Trek theme songs. I yeah, put it in the I'm, middle. I'm like agnostic. That's you. Shut your mouth. That is what Star Trek show Picard. has a worse theme song than than that godforsaken song. Picard. Picard song is just boring. It's not offensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's no, boring. it's boring. And Long Road at least is interesting. I will take I will take I will take controversial or and like interesting <laughs> over uh, I can okay, this is the point where I can go pee. I <laughs> I disagree. Piss I would rather watch a tr- I disagree with you and I'll tell you why. That song isn't Trek. If it was a Trek theme song that just hit wrong or like, I don't know, they recorded it and the cellist was like having a stroke or on acid. <laughs> and so it just sounded like some, and it sounded like that. I'd be right there with you. I would take a bad Trek theme over <laughs> Picard's theme, but it's not a bad Trek theme. It's a bad rock song that somebody put in a Trek show for reasons I legitimately cannot fathom. Anyway, sorry for coming on your DS9 podcast and bringing up Enterprise. I should have this, known this, better. This happens. I mean, this this is a cyclical thing that uh, we this this yeah. this rant is a bit at this point. It's not a bit. This is yeah, not a we, bit. This is a, a, a an earnestly held opinion that you cannot break me of. <laughs> I'm so glad that I control the Twitter account and the Blue yeah. Sky account now. Like we are, we are a Blue Sky now, which which um, dates you this episode, the I guess. But and the vertical, uh, yeah, which means I am chief propagandist now for this for the so for the Babylon Soviet. Uh, uh, this that and orbs are two uh, things, that, uh, two Star Trek things that I will not give up on. Well, speaking of orbs, we got an orb to talk mm-hmm. about tonight. We are covering episodes eight and nine of season one, uh, which are going to be Dax and the Passenger. Anna, you've got Dax. Take us away. So with Miles away on vacation, Dax and question mark, question mark, Bashir, question mark, question mark, are in charge of engineering. (laughs) They finish up for the night and Julian offers to walk Jadzia home. Uh, She declines. Uh, because he's being a pest, uh, but he follows anyway because he's an idiot and very hopeful. 
Um, but I guess it's sort of fortunate because he witnesses Jadzia being abducted by some aliens after they confirm her identity as Dax, uh, following which he gets knocked out himself and, you know, left in the hallway. When he wakes up, he alerts Ops to the abduction, and Cisco and Odo manage to discover and then fix the abductor's sabotage of the tractor beam and keep them from escaping with Dax. When Cisco confronts the kidnappers at the airlock, the lead identifies himself as Elon Tondro and hands over a valid warrant for Dax's arrest for treason and the murder of his father, Ardlan Tondro. All of this occurred 30 years ago, BT dubs. So Cisco is justifiably pissed about having his science officer and bestie abducted on dubious charges uh, and with even more dubious legal proceedings and sets to resolve the situation, uh, especially after he learns that the punishment for those crimes on Tandra's planet, uh, Claystron 4, is death. He realizes that Curzon must have been the one involved in whatever went down three decades ago, since Jadzia was not even alive at that point. Uh, but Dax refuses to say literally anything about the charges, other than that she does not expect him to help, nor does she plan to contest them. So Cisco comes up with a new strategy. Although Claystron 4 has a extradition treaty with the Federation, it doesn't have one with Bajor. Kira goes along with the plan, not least because Claystron 4 is allied with Cardassians and uh, got the tools to sabotage the station from them. Uh, so Bajor sends an arbiter for the hearing, a 100-year-old lady with a zero-tolerance policy on bullshit. She agrees that it's Curzon Dax who's charged, not Jadzia, and that Tandro must prove that they are in fact the same person for her to greenlight the extradition. So the legal proceedings begin, courtroom episode. Noir Odo heads to Claystron 4 to speak to, to Elon's mother and Arlon's wife, uh, Anino Tondro, and discovers some more about the charges. During the Claystron Civil War, Arlon's death was caused when the rebels received a coded message informing them of his location, and Curzon is the only person with that information who didn't have an alibi. Anino is confident in Curzon's innocence, but her son does not believe her. A Trill expert witness provides details about the psychological relationship between symbiont and host, it being a blending of personalities and transfer of memories, not an overwriting. Bashir extends this by showing brainwave data, but is forced to admit that the symbiont's brainwaves have not changed between hosts. They further clarify that the solution cannot be to keep Jezia on the station and send Dax to Claystron 4, as that would kill them both. Cisco speaks the difference in personalities between Curzon and Jadzia, and the Arbiter calls a recess and announces Dax will be the next to take the stand. Meanwhile, though, Odo has been doing more digging on the planet and has found out that Curzon was in fact having an affair with Anina, uh, so she can provide his alibi. He convinces her to return with him to the station to save Dax's life, even if it tarnishes the memory of her husband. When questioned by Cisco, Jezia still refuses to speak on the topic. Once Dax is on the stand, and before she admits to accepting past crimes of the symbiont as part of the responsibility of being a host, Anita shows up and states that Curzon could not have sent the message because he was in her bed at the time. The Arbiter closes the case, and Elon leaves in disgust. In the epilogue, Jadzia and Anita talk on the promenade and state that the truth will remain hidden. Tandro himself betrayed his cause and sent the coded message, and the rebels killed him for the favor. 
Uh, also, since I forgot to say it, um, this one, the story is by Peter Allen Field. The teleplay is by DC Fontana, the yeah, the the one and only, uh, and Peter Allen Fields, and it was directed by David Carson. Is this our first uh, Noir Odo episode? I think so, yeah, yeah. There will be many more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just did our, we just did, the, the most recent re-recording we did in the future was um, the episode which flashes back to Odo's first case on the station, where he gets, like, all those Noir monologues and like has to deal with a pejored widow who's like wearing like all white and all fancy garb. <laughs> so we, that was our most, in, that was the most recent encounter we've had yeah. with Noir. Odo. I like, yes. no, I like Noir Odo a lot more than I do wet fascist. Yeah. Odo. Yeah. 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 I'm obligated to like Odo because like he's like a bull and I always latch on to the, non-human character learning how to get along yeah. with people uh that is in right. every star trek show they're always my favorite but like <laughs> i definitely feel the weirdest yeah, about yeah. Odo. he's a, he's a lot harder yeah. to like than like data or spock or to paul or yeah or seven of nine who is who is my girl yeah i liked the only time i've genuinely liked odo so far in this show is when as when he's being flirty with Quark. Oh, okay. The two times I like Odo in this show <laughs> is when him and Quark are flirting and when um, Loxwana is trying to uh, to bang his beige bo- body. Um, I really enjoy like Odo uncomfortable for some reason, but not like... I guess I just don't like Odo the wet fascist. When he's not being a wet fascist, I yeah. like Odo fine. Mm-hmm. This episode is fun. Is fu- I enjoy this episode fine because when he's like awkwardly discovering that the reason why uh, <laughs> the reason why the Dax has no alibi is because he was you know having an affair with the woman is very yeah. good. And he he he's. A lot better when they lean into the noir, like detective tropes, as opposed to the cop tropes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, cause it, it works much better. His whole thing is like, I have my personal code of justice and I'm out to do it to, to, you know, right wrongs. And for a noir detective, that's perfectly yeah. right. That fits all the tropes for a noir detective for a constable. That's problematic. That's, that's not how justice works when you're like the system. Yeah. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not what, that's not how that works. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I do want to go back to my favorite part of this episode uh, or your summary, Anna, which is uh question mark, question mark, Julian <laughs> question mark, question mark. <laughs> Who decided that I, I would love to be in the room when they decided like, who who can help Dax out? And like Julian's like waving his hand and Dax is behind him, like wildly gesturing no. And he's Listen, like, it was a slow day. He, bodies are like machines. They're like meat machines. That's like engineering with meat. It's like the same thing, right? I can help. I, I took an extension course with uh, in, in engineering at Starfleet. God damn it. You know, it's yeah. like. That's it, entirely it's, accurate it, it's, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it's because it's like all like. 
It's like he did one engineering internship and now is like qualified to <laughs> help her with this. Yeah. The, he, the answer isn't he is in charge of all engineering duties. It is he is an officer. So he is like helping manage the engineering. Team. I feel yeah. like also potentially they just like don't have an engineering team at this point. Really? It's just Miles. And like a couple Bajoran maintenance workers. It's like it shows how short staffed they are. Yeah, yeah. I, this is early enough that they don't, they haven't really even introduced the idea of like Miles's Bajoran team yet entirely. Yeah, not at all. So, yeah. yeah so I get it. Uh, but I just think it's very funny the idea of, of <laughs> Dax desperately trying to avoid uh, Bashir on her team. And he's not a sex pest. He's just a. <laughs> He's like, he's like a, he's got the puppy dog thing where he's mm-hmm. just like following her around like everywhere being like, please love me. You're so pretty and cool. Yeah. He's just, he's just immature. He's not quite wearing a fedora yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, he, he, he is, he's a puppy dog. He needs, honestly, he needs to be broken before he can be rebuilt. Um, uh. There's and a lot of fanfic that, for that. Take, I was just going to say, tell you. The, take broken however As soon as you said he needs to be broken, I in my head, in my head, Garrick is like, yes. Okay, so you have met okay, Garrick. No, 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 no. I, I, yeah, okay, uh, good. See, I, oh, see. Okay, this is, this is, this is my read of the character. But Garrick's a bottom. I... <laughs> I mean, I can see a power bottom. I listen. Oh, yeah. I'm into yeah. world reversal. I can. I'm. I'm into it, but I have a hard mm. time. I have a hard time with that. Honestly, <laughs> here's my problem. And that also, makes, just, I can't. No, you know what it is. I can't imagine Julian being a top. That's what he, he thinks yeah, you, be, yeah, no. you beat me to yeah. it. He you is, beat me to but it. he's absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, you beat me to that. Exactly what I was gonna say. I don't think it matters so much what Garrick is in this case as Bashir Bashir couldn't Bashir couldn't top an open face sandwich. Uh, he's, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jadzia has the editor. So there, there was a, this has gone around today of in Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> there's been a thing going around today about people finding out that the, um, that the end that or that one of the scenes you get in the romance for Carlac, who if you are not if you do not follow Baldur's Gate three or you are just blissfully unaware, is a hot tiefling lady who is like literally on fire because she has an infernal engine replacing her heart, and part of that romance is if you are a guy, there is a romance scene where you get pegged. Incredible, and the cis dudes are thinking it's a glitch. <laughs> <laughs> they and think it's, like, it's a glitch. Uh-huh. Oh, are like, you? What is happening? And, and, and that is Jadzia in my head. <laughs> wow, God, straight guys will do will do anything to avoid. It's like bo- both both Julian and Quark just like desperately want Jadzia to step on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it, she's clearly down to step on people, just not those ones. Um, here's I'm the thing. choosing to interpret these early interaction as Dax has been around the block a, the, a couple times she knows Julian is hard gay 
but doesn't want to like spring that on him. So she's trying to prevent him from making a fool of himself, and he's still making a fool of himself. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I I can also like, I mean, being like, I mean, how being thirty five and watching these episodes and watching Julian, I'm just like, oh fuck, he's so young. Oh and, like, right, <laughs> really is. And um, like, I, I can only like imagine baby. what Dax is feeling. Right. Oh my god, it's got to be weird to have a. I'm forty, just forty, and I look at twenty year olds with an existential exhaustion. <laughs> imagine being two hundred and being around a puppy dog eyed horn dog twenty year old. That exhaustion. Sitting would have been twenty eight. Whatever, which is I'm still he's a still, baby. He's playing, yeah. I think he's playing Bashir a little younger than 28. Um, yeah, I think Bashir is supposed to be like 25 ish or something. Whatever, it's but yeah, God, it must like her too old. Her too old for this shit must be dense enough to fucking have its own gravity well. <laughs> anyway, we could probably talk about the episode and not just about B- yeah. Bashar, Bashir oh, yeah. being. I mean, we've been dancing around it because obviously this episode is loaded. Dax comes with a lot of coding. Yeah. um, Yeah. And uh, post hoc interpretations that make this episode very loaded. And it's all I'm going to be talking about once it starts. Um, We've talked (laughs) the first time around in this episode and in a lot of episodes since then about how wild it is that they didn't like set out to do this Mm -mm. with Dax. I mean. The thing is, though, they clearly identified queerness within her, right? And for other characters. But transness was just not on their radar, right? Mm -hmm. They immediately knew that multiple past lives would get weird when it comes to sex and romance, but not how. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I will say, like, I'm a little bit older than you guys. And maybe that's old enough, or maybe it's just a case of being, like sufficiently in the straight world (laughs) for most of my life (laughs) but i did not have a conception of that until later in my life so i get that like being i can imagine being a writer 20 years ago writing the tv show and not having just not it, it just not being on the radar and writing this stuff and not realizing like throwing the dart at the dartboard and not realizing I'm hitting the bullseye <laughs> and just not knowing, you know, gosh, you know, what if we had a character where, you know, the character, you know, changed their like identity and gender dramatically. And, you know, what sort of relationship would that character have to, you know, their past self and how would their relationships change? And it's like, Oh wait, that's just, that's just a trans narrative. Yeah. And- but you can also like, just be like, just spitball on that concept too yeah but mm-hmm. i think the, the point i'm just trying to make is i think there's and it yeah. it fucking sucks but like until the last tw- you know 15 years 10 years there was so much suppression of trans genuine discussion of trans lives in in public discourse that a lot of people didn't understand how that would apply to people i mean yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean that's obviously all true. Like, the only reason I took so long figuring it out is because I didn't know it was a thing. Uh, as soon as I knew it was a thing, I was like, okay, here we go. 
Yeah. But also, like, it is just weird that, like, they clearly had queerness on the brain and this never came up anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. That said, I still love Dax as a trans narrative, even though things do not exactly parallel. But boy, is it harrowing in this day and age to see a trans interpreted person on trial with other people debating and trying to prove her notions of identity. Like, holy shit, that yeah. is loaded. Yeah. I love it. Honestly, I think it makes the episode better, but wow. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels uh, so much of DS9 accidentally feels uncomfortably like close to reality, which is a thing that I think Star Trek is so good at. But DS9 seems to be particularly good at because it is, I think, in a lived space and with lived characters and a little more close yeah. to like a, a real air quotes political situation. Yeah. I think one of the things that it has a strength in is that a lot of the a lot of the messages that it has are not trying to draw one-to-one -one parallel. Um in in things that could be and for example, the character of Kai Wen, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> who is like is never like a one to one for anything. Uh, um, and I don't know if you've gotten to the episode that's clearly an evolution in schools parallel thing. Oh yeah. Oh no, okay, we, cool. we have we have yeah, no, like I that mean, one that, was that, very that obvious. <laughs> but, she, but but she's not like but we, she's not like space Thatcher or something like that. This that specific. Yeah, and I think when we watched that and we did our episode for it, spoilers for the future, I guess, but whatever you're, 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 you're here to listen to Dick jets, not our, uh, <laughs> not, not our, not, not to be, you know, you're going to get there eventually. Do both. Um, but I'm both. Yeah. We have insightful commentary and Dick jokes. Um, the, but like, that's I, the tagline for the podcast struck, now sort of struck it, but it was like about how, like you can, you know, with a lot of, Kaiwin's rhetoric, a lot of it is you could find and replace it for stuff that is occurring in Florida right now. Yeah. I like there's which I think a lot of the time, especially in older Trek, makes makes metaphors more fluid and easier. I think sometimes in more recent stuff, this is a thing where I I, I will, you know, far far up can sometimes feel like they're dodging a mm -hmm. question. But I think it's a lot of I think in a lot of these, it's couched enough of a like enough of a sci-fi framework and fluid enough that it that you know it can mold that your brain fills in the blanks. Um, and one thing I honestly like about this episode is that there there are like there there trial episodes in Star Trek are a mm -hmm. thing. Like I can name a dozen of them off the top of my head. And um, most of them are bangers too. Honestly, yeah. I mean, part of that is because it's like it's a it's a it's a tried and tested format, and what Hollywood writer didn't grow up watching Perry Mason? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing I find interesting is that, like, I mean, I think that like the best one is Measure of a Man from TNG, where it is specifically about human yep. rights, but this one is it's more of a procedural. It just happens to tie in these interesting sci-fi questions like the the real the real question here is isn't whether like is it is a legal proceeding but there's also this question of like okay 
what does this actually mean in terms of identity yeah. and who Jadzia mm-hmm. is. Although, sidebar, I really like how Cisco and the prosecutor keep getting really into it and treating it like a really heavy uh, court episode. <laughs> yes. And the lady, the lady with the gavel is just like, this is not a full criminal court proceeding. This is a settlement hearing. <laughs> Please chill out. God. <laughs> I I love Cisco in this episode because like there's clearly some cultural shit going on for Dax. Uh, I, and I I initially I couldn't figure out what Dax's deal was, but like I I get the idea that like it's part of Trill culture that like you're responsible for. And maybe I'm reading into it, but my sense was that it's part of Trill culture that like you own a, you're responsible for your previous hosts. Well, this is this is something that I I think that. Hold that thought, and I think we'll come back to it in a couple of seasons. Okay. Yeah. You're after that. You know the episodes that I'm thinking about, Justin, right? I have one host name in yeah. mind. <laughs> Dax is like not in, like not defending herself, but Cisco's like, don't care. Gonna fucking pick up uh, this legal situation and just drop it out a window to to save my buddy. Mm-hmm. Federation has an extradition treaty. Bajor does it. Let's fucking bend some rules. Prosecutor's a dick. He's just like juking and diving and throwing punches. And I love that Cisco. It's a thing that repeatedly I have enjoyed about Cisco is that Cisco is a good, honorable Starfleet captain, but also is a knife fighter when it comes to protecting (laughs) his station and his people. And if it comes down to picking which one of those things he's going to be, he's always going to, it seems like he will always pick his people. And I respect that, that he is willing to throw some dirty punches to, to get the job done and to protect his, his station and his people. He's that man where it's like, had it not been for the laws of this land, I would have slaughtered you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let me put it this way. No Starfleet captain respects the prime directive. We've established that. That's not Mm -hmm. surprising. But Picard absolutely would get hung up on a regulation or something like that. A lot of, and Kirk agonizes over. I've watched a few TOS episodes, and Kirk, like, has this reputation for being, like, you know, damn the rules, but he doesn't. Like, he gets caught up in these regulations and he, he, like, worries about it. And, like, he's much less bravado than his reputation is when you actually watch mm-hmm. the episodes which was surprising people get distracted yeah. by the preponderance of his open uh gold shirt yeah yeah exactly they they get distracted by the by the titty window yeah mm-hmm. genuinely of all the captains we've seen so far cisco of all the captains i can think of uh putting aside discovery cisco is the captain that is the most willing i think to be like Oops, it's going to take us two days to do these, uh, to, to transfer these supplies. So I guess I'll have to sit here with my phasers and fuck you. Like, he's he's <laughs> master of malicious compliance. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that's most willing to to, to do that kind of stuff. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And one of my favorite things in this episode is that this is the first appearance of the Kira Cisco bureaucratic team up movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where Cisco's like, like, you know, I'm, 
you know, Bajor is Bajor is very, very interested in this. I mean, I'm assuming Bajor is very interested in Gears. Like, yes, yes, Bajor is. <laughs> I love they're the two of them are such a good team. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it is taking all my effort to restrain my gayness for Kira. All the lesbians <laughs> love her. I would let her kill me with firebombs. Yeah. So I like it when she gets to do cool things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She I tried to remember what it was, but there was like a point in the in the three parter to open season two where I was just like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where I, I just turned into a devolved uh, form of, oh, God, yeah. Kira. <laughs> Sorry, I, we kind of got distracted from talking about the, the Dax stuff. Did you have more you wanted to go on about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a few points to like Please. point out. Yeah, because like. There are two trans people on this podcast right now. I don't know the intricacies of Anna and Jude's genders, but it's always interesting seeing how people conceive of themselves pre and post transition, because I very much see it as more of a having worn a shell and then cast it off. Um, but I'm still like the same person. Some people don't think of it that way. They think of it as like either full ego death and a new rebirth or some other change over there. There's a lot of plural trans people. So this like doubly tapped into that. And it's one of those things where it's like, I still love seeing it, even though it's a form of transness I don't relate to. And like, how do you address this in a society with rules and stuff like that? Ideally, it's a society with looser rules than like the prison industrial complex. But still, I'm of the mind if once you come out, you get a fresh start in my book so long as you don't continue to be an asshole. Right. But some people don't feel that way. And basically my point there is trans people should be allowed to commit treason. That's the moral of this episode, right? (laughs) I I mean, okay. I will, I will have a hang up here. You cannot commit treason to a state that you do not hold allegiance to. You commit what would what would be considered treason, and you are not you are not a citizen of that nation. There is a word for that. It's called I was espionage. just going to say, wouldn't that <laughs> technically be espionage? Yeah, I mean, both will get you a firing squad, but uh, <laughs> it's important that you get it out there while you're dying. Yeah, yeah. and and Curzon was just there as like, I mean, he was there as a diplomat, like trying to trying to forge peace between the sides or something. What is an embassy besides a state, besides a public facing espionage? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. forge peace. Is that what the kid's calling it these days? <laughs> <laughs> he, cer- he certainly forged peace with Tandra's wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, and I, lo- I love the moment where Cisco is like, that's that's not your kid, right? Just just tell me, just tell me that the dude who's trying to get you, who's trying to like put you in front of a firing squad, is not your son. Please, please, for the love of God. <laughs> oh, uh, God, that, that that would be the most cursed. Th- this just brought up another point. Uh, for anyone listening who may not be up on these issues, uh, we're referring to Curzon and Dax as different people because that's kind of the stance the show takes and different pronouns for all these different identities and such like that do not default to that with trans people use the current pronouns even if you're talking like pre-transition just wanted to get that out there 
Yeah, I mean, like Gen Z refers like refers to her past as as by various pronouns depending on who it, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 and you know those those are separate people because I mean it's I mean like there there are some great beta fiction about Trill um, and like how that does because frankly as much as I love Jadzia and other Trill on DS9 the and part of this is just because what people have seen in Trill and added on but like there is the amount of stuff that like the show goes into with regard to the trill and the culture and psychology is like, if you ever took a Marine biology class, you see like what lives in the continental shelf (laughs) and that huge drop off into like, and it's like, there's all like the, the, the deep stuff you've got in the deep ocean and what lives in like the Marianas trench. Right. Yeah. And that's all the stuff that like the, like novels and like fan and fan work, gets into that is frankly fucking fascinating Um, my my favorite like beta trill thing is has to do with um when you're the first host of a symbiont which is that basically you get your symbiont and you just get super super fucking weird because instead (laughs) of bringing instead of the symbiont bringing like memories and experiences and knowledges of past lives is bringing memories and knowledge and experiences of being a slug in a pool. <laughs> Lots so of bats. Like, I mean, that doesn't sound bats. like such a bad, that doesn't sound like a bad deal, to be honest. Don't we right, all long right. to but be like, a slug in a pool from time to time? <laughs> but, but I mean, we say this as like neuro spicy people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you take like a, you know somebody who's like neurotypical and you're like yeah so you know what if you had like memories from like being a slug in a pool they'd be like oh fuck no yeah <laughs> and that slug has got to be like losing it for like a like a sensory overload yeah it's got to go both ways Imagine the slug has to be in for a super weird experience too yeah, oh, yeah. like it's one thing to be I feel like it's almost a bigger leap for the slug than it is for the for the human. <laughs> Humans can empathize with the idea of laying in a pool all the time. What does a slug know about being on a spaceship and having arms? <laughs> you can messed you up a perfectly first... good slug is what you did. Look at yeah. it. It has anxiety. Yeah. Can, you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine the first symbiote who had to learn what rent is? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. We are so... There's also the fascinating thing that the this... Trill are not a Federation species. That's not surprising. Oh, yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're too smart for that. Um, <laughs> I want to point out that the first time we did this episode, we were way more on top of, like, way more focused and on the plot. This has been pure well, shit yeah, shooting I mean, for that, the last 40 minutes. I mean... That was a magical experience for the four of us. And 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 sometimes we got to keep... We don't have Patreon material. Sometimes we just have spicy stuff that we get mm. to share. What would we even do for a Patreon? What what do we hold <laughs> back? It's... We, it's I mean, all... Like, I don't know. Dramatic readings of porn? It, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. it would have to be like another podcast that's something you can't put on a public feed or don't want to put on a public feed or something. If we did a... I could, we could do that. Mm-hmm. We'll t- let's t- we'll talk about that. I think that would be funny though. 
Uh, no, please invite please, me. <laughs> you don't know what you've unleashed. Um, speaking of the symbiont and pronouns, um, I just realized that a lot of Star Trek fiction doesn't go into the personhood of the symbiont specifically all that much. Like it yeah, goes a lot into the they're... human host and then the combined entity that is the two of them, but it never really yeah. delves into like how the symbionts feel about all this. Um, yeah. I gotta imagine it shows up in the combined personality somehow. But also, wow, yeah. it was rough seeing the prosecutor continually refer to Dax as it and the Trill, mm -hmm. obviously trying to get at the symbiont, but like, wow, that was a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, some people do use it pronouns, me included, and I think me and Dax are on similar freak levels that she would be down with it if she chose it, but... Wow, in a courtroom, huh? Yeah. I think there's a difference between, yeah, there's a difference between yeah. your pronouns are it and that thing it. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty yeah. clear which one yeah. the prosecutor is using in that circumstance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is It is a tactic. Like, it, it's, it is an othering and dehumanization mm -hmm. tactic. Well, if you want to yeah. make, Absolutely. if you want to be smart about it and make me sound like a fucking idiot. I mean, <laughs> hey, listen, I just, I just recognize that this dude is from a military junta. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I, I unfortunately have, have the brain rot that, like, you know, I, once you get to a certain point, you see what, fa you know, you see fascist tactics and, mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's almost like a lot of modern nations are fascist or something. Um, but yeah, like uh, finger guns. when other people are doing it, it's to like refer to you as an object. I use it to dehumanize me in the sense that I use she it like a hurricane or it as in what is that thing? It's going to kill me. <laughs> Fair oh, there's, enough. A, there's that fantastic <laughs> poem by, by a non-binary writer um that's kind of drawing on masculine and feminine mm -hmm. in other languages and like you know that saying like i'm feminine like these things are feminine i'm masculine like these things are masculine that kind of reminds me of that poem that i i will have to dig up at some point again that's cool mm -hmm. uh let's should we move on to the next episode or uh, i i have i have one I have one uh, specific note of like, this is a, this is an important uh, first for this episode. It is the first appearance of the Ractagena. Ah. Yes. Yes. I didn't know that. Which, which, yeah, this is the first. So, um, Ractagena for the uninitiated is, it's, it is called Klingon coffee. What it actually is, is coffee with Klingon spices in it. Interesting. We don't ever get like an origin point for it, but the excellent fan work Edge of Midnight, um, which is a pseudo historical look at the Federation Klingon Civil War, which I mean, hey, uh, if John C., if you ever want to come on this podcast, you've got an open invitation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, time is now the, like posits that the um, creation of it is Federation and Klingon colonists interacting and trading with each other and creating this what for what apparently is an incredibly invigorating beverage that is like fucking intense <laughs> um like it, it from like cisco's opinion it is it is the level of like how louisiana like how people from louisiana you know you know chicory and coffee and stuff but taken to a whole new level interesting mm -hmm. 
I do have one uh, more this is loaded point. Oh, yes. And it's the moment where Cisco gets frustrated and wants to talk to Curzon and says, damn it, if he were still a man. And I was like, I needed to pause the episode for a second. And I was like, I'm loving this. But I had not seen this episode since before starting Hormones. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is yeah. a messy friendship to navigate. But also, it was yeah. softened a bit because whenever Avery Brooks raises his voice, I think of that IBM commercial he was in <laughs> demanding, <laughs> I was promised flying cars. But where are the flying cars? I was promised flying cars. I don't see any flying cars. Why? 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 Because billions of people all over the world. Eric, go ahead, put yeah. that in. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. We need there to stop. Go. Otherwise, it's going to evolve into trans memes. <laughs> um, there, there are there are a couple of production notes from this. The first is that the gavel that the Bajoran uh, arbiter the uses orb. is the orb, an actual orb, the orb. for once. Yeah, that they that instead like to make like an alien gavel, they just made this like like carved like sphere that she's just like whacking on the table it's fantastic and then also also this is the last trek script uh penned by dc fontana we stand yep mm -hmm. yeah uh, what an episode to go out on honestly yeah yeah question what a legend is this also the first appearance of the ractagino mugs um i don't know i think i i maybe i, I feel like they've been seen before because they're like a common set design mm -hmm. there. I've been trying to find those. I was going to try and make it a surprise for the podcast for like uh, a present, to, like for completing the first season was to Aww. find a set uh, of them. It's but I can't find them anywhere for anything close to a reasonable price. So I went with something different. Yeah, no, the company, the company that makes them um, like they still exist. And like they it was just one of their yeah. like mugs that they offered. They've just had it out of print. Be, or like they, they, they have it out of stock because whenever they restock it, people buy them yeah, out. No, they're just crazy expensive and nobody does like custom printing on them. So I got something else yeah. going on. Oh, well, great. <laughs> I, I love surprises. <laughs> I frankly, frankly, the only good surprises that come in the mail are from y'all. Um, all right. Um, so uh, let's move on to our second episode here, which we're probably going to spend a lot less time on. <laughs> <laughs> which is episode nine, The Passenger, story by Morgan Grendel, a teleplay by Morgan Grendel and Robert Hewitt Wolf and Michael Piller, and directed by Paul Lynch. And if you think, wow, three people doing the script for this episode, that seems like a lot. You're right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We'll talk about why. Our episode starts with Bashir and Kira in a runabout, with Bashir being an absolute obnoxious pest. Uh, when they receive a distress call, they board the ship and they rescue a woman. A prisoner is also aboard. Despite that woman's protestations, Bashir goes in to save him, but the dying prisoner uh, grabs him, which uh, saying, make me live, and like a little electrical things go off, and the prisoner dies. Sucks for him. Uh, the woman is a Kobliad cop named Taika Jada. She says the prisoner, a man named Vantica was actually heading here to DS9. Vantica was a murderer who, uh, who'd been on the lam for 20 years, who had killed others to prolong his own life. Having seen a zombie movie, apparently, she stabs the corpse 
uh, of Fantica a lot of times. That quirks we find during a baited conversation that a Duridian shipment is coming through, and Starfleet has a security officer uh, assigned to the shipment, a dude named Lieutenant Primen. Uh, we learn that Duridium is needed to treat the Kobleyad's various medical conditions, with Vantica having intended to hijack the shipment. Sisko tells Primen to work with Odo on liaising with Kajada on the shipment. The station starts to experience sabotage, and Kajada says this is Vantica's MO. The crew find it hard to believe that he's still alive, considering, you know, he's dead and been stabbed while dead. Uh, Odo protests about Primen's involvement, threatening to resign, but Sisko gets him to cool down. It's like, dude, you have... I'm, I'm asking you to just work with someone. I'm not asking you to, like, even be less of an authoritarian. Just chill and work with other people you dumb i'm just asking you to Uh, be a boss here and coordinate with somebody someone claiming to be vantica uh reminds quark that quark had hired mercenaries to help with a deuterium shipment um or deuterium i think autocorrect changed that to deuterium because i apparently have read it too much (laughs) sci-fi um bashir confirms to kajada that the dead man is vantica Though, Dax finds research in Vantica's files about the transference of consciousness. Which, shit, did Vantica do a search for Spock? Uh, They find that Kajada is hosting Vantica, so they lock her out of their plans. As Quirk briefs the uh, mercenaries that he's gathered, Kajada is spying someone. But uh, she's pushed off, she's pushed by someone off a balcony. Quirk leads the mercenaries to the ship, a runabout. And it turns out that Vantica is Bashir. Dun, dun, dun. Who could have seen this? Every have, fucking button. Who could have possibly guessed this from the uh, scene earlier where Vantica is talking to Quark and it's clearly Bashir's voice? Yeah. <laughs> who could have guessed? They realize that the freighter is going to be hit off station. The crew detects the runabout's launch. Vantica's mercenaries beam over and dispatch the crater of the crew while they hijack it. However, the station engages a tractor beam and Cisco hails the fa- freighter. Vantica says that Bashir has stepped out for the time. Um, Dax uses Vantica's neural patterns to send a pulse through the tractor beam to interrupt uh, Vantica's control, and Bashir lowers the shield. They beam him off, Sisko stuns him, and they're able to purge Julian. Kajada destroys the remaining biological remains of Vantica, leaving everyone a little creeped out because she just murdered a dude, but uh, frankly, hopefully it just means we'll never have to see this plot again. (laughs) Of all the Star Trek episodes in all the shows of all time, this is one of them. It's a, you know, it's it's a solid, respectable C minus. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a bad episode, in my opinion, but this was like, wow, this could have been in any Star Trek show unchanged. It's not a good one, though. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You gotta fill out twenty episodes in a season. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's my that's my greatest defense of this episode. And that's no great sin, especially in the modern era of TV. I'm like, please let a show last more than ten episodes. Please yeah. stop. <laughs> have some breathing room. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. If I had to get one of these, if I had to put up with one of these, so we could get twenty episodes of Strange New Worlds, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I I just 
it, yeah, it's, I have nothing to say strongly about this. I just my favorite production note for this is that Bashir tried to do an evil voice and it was so bad they had to have him redub all his lines. I yeah, know, was, but like when he was, I still it. love Evil Julian and he does a little finger steeple. That was like that made me <laughs> oh. smile. I'm like, let him play some villains sometime. Yeah, yeah. Which, unfortunately, Hollywood will hear your hear your request and decide to just cast him as terrorists for for a, for the entire aughts. Yeah. Which, yeah. Oof. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> and he will even be Rachel Ghoul. I hold on. What? <laughs> he he, was he played Rachel Ghoul in in Gotham. Really? Which I never watched Gotham. Yeah. That's great. I love that. <laughs> Y'all, y'all know the role that I always dreamed that he would play, Doctor Strange. Which is that? Ooh, oh, he would have been fantastic yeah. for it. Like either either Doctor Strange or Doctor Fate. Yeah, like he would have ruled as either. Even if even if Doctor Fate should always be Odette Fair, he'd be an incredible Doctor Strange, though, right? Like, yeah, he would. Like, absolutely. Yeah, like he can pull off the the asshole, overconfident Doctor. And the the cool like the cool sorcerer yeah part absolutely of it. like both are vital I think mm-hmm. yeah um, oh that'd be way better than like, mumblemouth bumbersnatch yeah uh, and I do kind of like the meta commentary of that of him having played a famous and arrogant and accomplished doctor on another show beforehand yeah so you're already kind of <laughs> yeah. coming in with that context yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the only other thing of note I have in this episode is when they say your precious Doridium, I flashed back to Spider-Man 2 to the part where Dark o- Doc Ock puts on his sunglasses and says, your precious Tritium. That's it. <laughs> uh, my, my brain my- is poisoned, but that's the only th- thing of note I got. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? What a dubious episode. Uh, it's it's got the same it's got the same problem as the naked now too where it's like okay you're this is episode five i mean it's not as bad as the naked now because uh, naked now was like episode three which is like even worse but it's like it's episode five you have not yet established these characters and you're going to do a plot where somebody is acting out of character like why why this what what what, who who thought this was a good idea like it's the worst worst possible thing that you can do with like brand new characters and be like here's an episode about how these these people are acting out of character when we haven't established what's in character for them yet yeah yeah, because like every um, time I watch this, I am like legitimately confused as to which portions are Bashir, which mm-hmm. portions are Vantica pretending to be Bashir, and which por- like it's clear what portions are Vantica with the mask off because Bashir has the like weird voice that they dubbed in over his which his original acting, which is apparently to Bela Lugosi, which means I really, oh, really God. fucking that's want not, to listen to that. That's not a criticism. You should have let that go through. Damn it. Right. <laughs> what I really wanted, the one thing that would have made this episode better would have been if it, and if the thing that like gave, uh gave it away was if Garrick noticed that Bashir was like walking different. Yeah, like there's no, there's no. It's so hard to tell like what parts are 
Bashir, Bashir actually like trying to figure out what's going on, which parts are Vantica trying to throw them off the scent because there's clearly both in there. I just can't tell which are which. And I've seen this yeah. episode like over half a dozen times. Yeah. Un- un- unfortunately, Garrick's not around yet. So we well, he's don't in yeah. the first episode or the second episode. Yeah, he's like he's in he's in one episode this season. Oh, okay. Then they start bringing him mm-hmm. back, actually. No, I have an I like this is what this is my theory on how if I was rewriting this episode, my signifier for what Bashir like under the influence would be. I would make him sexier, <laughs> like like d- remove the remove the weirdness and make him actually hot. He, yeah. he drops an actual flirt at Dax and like. Dax is like, who are you and what have you done with Julian? <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. That would be that would be how I would do it if I was rewriting this for like season three. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and like it might be it could have been a potentially like, I mean, with some serious script changes, like it could have been a decent season three episode because you would have a lot better characterization at that point. And like you could do stuff like, you know, have Sidig change his body language and for they, it. And they um, would have known it too. And and the and the watchers would be able to pick up on that shit at that yeah. point too. I think overall this is just one of those episodes that is like, I think especially because what Jude said, this could have been in any series. Like, there's nothing sp- particularly special about DS Nine. Like, that's particularly DS Nine about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really jumps out for me here. I have a weird bug up my butt about this. Why wasn't this episode called the Stowaway? Because that's what's happening. Right, that, uh, yeah. He's not. Yeah. Vantica is not just a passenger. He's stealing his way in and taking control. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. hiding. I don't know. I kind of like the title, The Passenger. So I'm mad it got used on this instead of The Stowaway, yeah. which is what's happening. There, there's all the weird stuff, too, where it's le- legitimately unclear whether the audience is supposed to know that Bashir is Vantica or not. Because, like, we get the dramatic reveal music cue. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if 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 they kept in the voice, maybe there would have been some mystery. Yeah. Like, but but you hit the you hit the end where it's like, you know, they get to the runabout and it's like the dramatic it's it's a whole dramatic reveal of like, oh my gosh, it's Bashir. Who knew? Certainly not the audience. Who could have guessed it? And it's like, really? It's just, <laughs> yeah. really? One of my favorite things in this episode, where where Quirk is telling Odo, it's good to want things. And Odo, even things you can't have, Quirk says, especially things you can't have. Because Quark and, is a chaser. And and <laughs> Jude, put, put a pin in that particular phrase, that even the X, especially the X. Interesting. Because that is a phrase that we may see again. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I have another. I have another fun quirk note on this one, though. Oh yes, this, this is which is favorite. not which is not having to do with him being a chaser. Um, <laughs> although I'm not going to argue with that one um, at all. So from memory, Alpha uh, Morgan Grendel scripted a song for Quark to sing, but decided not to use it. 
Grendel commented, I had Cork singing a whole little ditty, like a hobbit. I took a day to write this ditty about making money while he's serving people and shorting them on their drinks. I thought it was hysterical and also thought if I turned it in, they were going to laugh me out of the room. And I desperately wish that that had made it into the episode because it would have been fucking hilarious. Can we yeah. Can we find this guy somewhere and get him to send it to us and then... Can we find, does the guy who does, uh, what's his name? The guy who played Quark is Armin Shimmerman. Shimmerman on Fiverr or, or cameo. cameo. Can we get this? Uh, I think this would technically count as like, I think I would technically count as struck work. Yeah. Well, fine. We'll do after it after the strike, after the strike, but yeah, I absolutely. really need Quark singing a little Hobbit song about like, also, Short I don't know why we're mentioning this. These episodes aren't coming out until after the strike. <laughs> yeah, fair, right? fair, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did um, we mention the uh, Bab Five? I know that face before we wrap this episode. Oh no, we had not. So um, the the cop in this episode is played by Caitlin Brown, who was the OG Natoth. Yes. Oh. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I loved Love her. her. Uh, who, who I think reappears as Natoth in like season five. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, old, I old seasons Natoth can also destroy me with firebombs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Girls love a freedom fighter. <laughs> any Anybody got any last things before we get into the closure spiel? Not for this episode. Uh, I will be interested. I, I look forward to discussing uh, Primin and Odo when they when we get Primin 2.0. Yes, um, who will appear eventually. Uh, Velma, do you want people to find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, you can find me on the Clever Corvids podcasting network at Clever underscore Corvids on uh, B Sky and Twitter, which I refuse to refer to as the new name. Uh, you can also find me at Velvet Dragon at both places and also on tumblr but i haven't posted anything yet so there you go um and then you should also go listen to athrobeth jude's other podcast and listen to athroplay when it comes out or if it's all or if it's already out by the time that this airs go listen to that you know right away exactly yeah all right so next time we're going to be covering episodes 10 and 11 of season one uh we will be having uh a guest on for that one as well um the those episodes will be move along home and the nagus <laughs> until next time just, just keep circling keep circling just keep circling <laughs> just keep circling yeah keep just circling. keep circling just keep circling The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license.
Yeah. There's also there's also all of the like weird the weird stuff going on with like I just completely lost my train of thought there. Um so, That's this okay. episode for you. Yeah. Uh, oh no, wait. Anna is Vantica. Yeah, Get her. here we go. Oh no, no, yep. Um <laughs> Oh, here we go. 